sometimes you don't want your students to know that you don't know. Here's some tricks of the trade that I use. Right, guys, I am sitting in my truck recording this week's episode. I'm in the middle of a volleyball tournament. Been working the sport every night this week, so this is about all I can do. So I did bring a halfway decent microphone with me, so hopefully we'll be fine. I want to talk about last week's episode called The Funny Substitute Teacher. Let me tell you what happened right after I released it. I've got a Facebook group that you know about. I want you to join it. It's called Substitute Teachers Lounge. Several hundred members on that. I always try to spur some discussion. Some of it takes off. Most of it doesn't. So I'm trying to get that going. I would love you to join and have some conversations with us. But that's on Facebook, of course. But here, let me tell you what happened last week within... Oh, maybe 30 minutes of when I posted the link to our episode, The Funny Substitute Teacher, somebody made a comment, so now I have to be funny in the classroom too? No, thank you. And I'm thinking, oh, man, that episode's going to go over like a lead balloon. Now, I could tell they, they said that so quickly that it was somebody that really doesn't listen to the episode. They just thought they'd get on there and make a comment. So I kept watching it, and sure enough, shortly after that, somebody else posted, that's obviously a substitute teacher that just doesn't get it. So I'm thinking, man, here we go. I thought we were going to have a little firestorm, but neither one of them replied anymore, and I didn't see too many more comments. And I am happy to say that... You have to go way back to episode 54. In fact, 54 was our most popular episode. It's had close to a 1,000 downloads, and it's on video version, too. It's when we interviewed Jen Stevens about intermittent fasting. If you're interested in that, look back at that. And between YouTube and the episode, it's, it's I think it's up to like uh, 6,000 views or listen now. So that's awesome. But anyway... Last week's episode, The Funny Substitute Teacher, you have to go all the way back to that other episode to find one that got more listens in the first week. So whether you like that idea or you just wanted to complain about that idea, you just wanted to see what I had to say, a bunch of you listened to that last week. So I'm glad it was our most popular episode in its first week of any that we'd had Since way back before COVID, all this COVID stuff started, it is August 29th, 2021. If you're listening to this in the future, if you are listening to this in the future, I hope you have your mask off. I hope everybody has their mask off. But for now, we're keeping everybody safe by wearing them still. I still wear them as a referee. But anyway, that was great news about that episode And I hope now that we're back in school that everybody is listening more and more. As I mentioned last week, it's probably going to happen every week now that something will come up in school 
and that will prove to be our topic for the week. So same thing this week. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations as teachers that we wish we knew something or we wished we remembered something and we didn't. And I don't get embarrassed about it, but I know I might be in the minority. I mean, if you have to admit some things you've forgotten or some things you don't know why you're substitute teaching to your students, sometimes that can be embarrassing. I mean, as I've gotten older, even things that I might know tomorrow, I might not know today. I might have been able to give you the formula for the area of a triangle yesterday, and it blanked my mind today, and that happens all the time. So I'll tell you how I cover for myself when I do that. I don't lie, but I've found some ways just through practice. I didn't search them out, but as I got better at what I was doing, then I was able to come up with some things to help out in that regard. And I think it will be ideas that you can take and save that embarrassment because it's a way to make it not obvious, whatever the word is. It, won't, it will no longer be obvious that you had forgotten something or you don't know something. So I'll give you some ideas in that regard. Let me just start with the one that prompted me to record this episode. Here, here's a situation that as a substitute teacher, you will find yourself in often. It just so happened that I had given a test this week. A couple of quizzes, they were short, but you know how students are. I'm, in teach, I'm subbing in high school classes right now, but this applies to all levels. As soon as they take a quiz, if they know that it's already graded, for instance, if you design it on Google Forms, it's graded as soon as they take it. They might not see their grade. I gave another test this week that is actually with a Kahoot template, not from a competitive standpoint or a time standpoint or anything like that. It was just a Kahoot template, but it still would show them immediately when they answered a question whether they got it right or not. And most students like that, it's a little, to be honest, it's a little stressful for some. There's just some personalities out there that they really don't want to know right away what they got on their test. But most of them, they would want to know as soon as possible rather than having to wait for the teacher to grade them. So if you're ever in that situation where you're giving a test and it's in an automated format and it's scored right away, I guess this actually came up in the Google Form type of test where they couldn't see the answers, but they knew I could tell what their scores were. I told them I would share that. Well, it's I've still just had them for seven days of the school year at this point in time, and I know a lot of them. I probably already know about 75% of the names. I probably know 100 names, but some I don't. And I'm the kind of guy, I just don't want to make that obvious. I kind of want to hide the fact that I don't remember their name. And to make things worse, now I could take the approach, and a lot of people do this, that they just say, I'm sorry, I've forgotten your name. But if you're a teacher, I don't think that's an option. If you're a substitute teacher, I don't think that's an option. You need to learn their names, and you need to call them by their name. So here's what I did. 
I didn't want to just call the ones I knew by their names. I didn't want to tell, admit to some that I didn't know their names. Here's what I did. I just said when they walked up, and this is true, although it helped out in this regard. I said, all right, you can line up here. And then when I saw the people standing in line, whether I knew their name or not, I said the same thing to everybody. I just said, all right, it's going to be easier to look this up for you if you remind me of your last name. Now, students in that regard, they're all right with that because they know I'm probably going to know their first name, but probably 90% of the time, I don't pay that much attention to their last name. In fact, it kind of bothers me to know their last name. I don't want to think, it's not creepy, but it's just maybe more information than I think I should know. Now, I'm going to have to know both their names for attendance and that kind of thing, but the memorization part is with their first name. So I just told them, all right, everybody come up, remind me of your last name, that worked well. They reminded me of their last name. It also helped me conceptualize in my head that when I looked up their name and then I saw their first name, it would help me remember those. So I think that is a good idea. Anytime you have forgotten somebody's name. Now, in my case, it worked out well because I had test scores laying there. I did have their name. So when I told them I needed their last name, it worked out okay. Now, if you are in a situation where they come up and just ask you a question and part of the answer kind of requires that you know their name, come up with something similar. If you're looking up some, something for them, say, remind me your last name. If you're handing out some, maybe some paperwork that you have to log out, have them sign their name. In our school, they have to carry a hall pass when they go to the restroom, and we make notations on it with their name. So to hide the fact that I may have forgotten their name, I have every one of them that uses a hall pass. I'll put down the date, I'll put down the period that we're in, and then I'll tell them to sign it. So that's another way for me to confirm their name. If I knew everybody's name, I would just write their name in. So I try to be consistent and do that with everyone. So that's the first thing that we'll talk about that will help you hide the fact that you've forgotten or that you haven't taken the time to learn their name properly. Now, let's talk about lack of knowledge and bless our hearts that are getting older. I always jokingly say, although this is the total truth, that typically the things that I used to know that I've forgotten, if somebody asked me that question, pretty consistently I will remember it within 15 minutes. I won't remember it right away, but once my mind starts ticking, once I turn that key, I usually remember it in about 15 minutes. But let's face it, I think if you remember, if you're a, a frequent podcast listener, you know that last year I taught 6th and 7th grade math and computer applications the whole year. This year, at least for these first uh, two months, I'm teaching the biomedical field and I always take care of myself in that regard, especially math. First of all, let's talk about math. That's my subject. Maybe English is your subject, but maybe you haven't hit English hard 
for years, but now you find yourself substitute teaching. My very first day as a substitute teacher, I was teaching protons and electrons and all that kind of stuff. And yes, I not only knew it when I was in school, but I was good at it. I would, the teacher would let me help others that were getting behind on their work. I was good at it, but I've forgotten it. So there's two things you can really do in that regard. Now, I'm kind of obsessed when I teach, especially a long-term role that I know a little bit about it. So I think I've told you before that when I knew I was going to teach anatomy, I went out and bought an anatomy and physiology book for dummies. Now, I'll tell you what, guys. Those dummy books are the best because everything is explained in simple terms. So if you've got that option, buy those books. Now, on the other hand, if, you, if there's not a book maybe in the field, you know, you can't just go out and say, give me English for dummies. That's just too broad of a topic. But you could probably find some things that will help you in the class. If you don't have that, do this. If you're friends with the teacher, or even if you're not, try to see if they can offer you some information about what you'll be teaching the next day. And then, take the time. It's probably just going to be 15 minutes or 30 minutes. Take the time to go over that material. The night before, if you have it, but if you don't have it, go in there. If you don't have it at all before you go in for that day of substitute teaching, go in early enough that you can look through the material. The great thing now is, guys, that we've got Google. So if you see words and what you're getting ready to teach, you can Google that bad boy in just a few seconds, and all of a sudden you're ready to teach the class. So you then hide the fact that you really didn't know that material. But Take your substitute teaching serious enough that you want to be able to help those kids when you can. It was not funny, it's not the right word, I guess, but it's been a couple years ago now. I was at a middle school where they actually let those working on iReady and stuff like that to sit in the hallway and work on their own, just sit on the floor. And so it was between classes, or maybe I had my class, my students doing something and I stepped outside. I saw somebody there, and he was struggling with it. I said, all right, I'll explain it, and I'll actually walk you through, and I'll do one for you, and then I'm going to watch you do the next one. And he was so impressed that I remember that. It just happened to be something. Now, I, I probably was 90% sure of my answer, but sure enough, when he clicked it in, it was correct. Keep in mind, a lot of these iReady-type programs don't mess up their score because the way they work, if you get one correctly, or if you probably if you get several correct, then it will kick you into the next tier. If you get several wrong, it will drop you down a tier. So don't mess up their score. If you don't really know, you can say, oh man, I remember doing that back when I was your age. I'm going to get you some guidance, then Google it. You know, they're not supposed to be on their phones, but you can Google it. Google it, help them out, and go for there. So there's so many ways. You can buy materials. You can take all these other approaches to make sure that you can kind of cover the fact that you either don't remember right now or you've forgotten. 
prepare ahead of time and be ready to come up with an answer for them as as time allows. Now, if you've ever brought up a story about a student that's not in your classroom, was in another class, but you enjoyed the story and you told them that, be aware that those students are going to be um, go immediately and tell the other student you've been talking about them. Let me tell you what happened. I actually told you this last week. There was a couple of freshmen in the high school that were that are dating. I last had them when they were in the sixth grade, so three years ago, and were I'd still call them good student friends of mine, and to the point that we can joke around and enjoy being in the classroom together. But I made the comment, this is what I mentioned to you last week, there was a couple, and I said, okay, well, how long have these two been a couple? And the students in the room said, really about the seventh grade. Well, I knew that that would get back that I brought up their name. I did, when they said since the seventh grade, I made the comment, don't you all think that they are both just really nice people? And everybody in the room agreed. So I made sure the next morning, it wasn't just to make sure they didn't hear it from other students. I made sure the next morning to go out of my way and tell both of them. I usually see them in the hallway every morning. And I say, listen, I want you all to know I talked about you guys. Let me tell you what I said. I was curious as to how long you all had been a couple. And by the way, they corrected and said, we actually have been a couple for three years since the sixth grade. And I said, well, I, I made the comment in one of my classes that I thought you were a cute couple and that how, how both of you were so nice. And uh, they laughed and they said, well, thank you. Well, the next day, that girl came back up to me and said, Mr. Collins, did I hear you had been talking about me in class? And I said, well, no, other than the story that I just shared with you. Now, had I not already shared that with her, it might have been a little bit more uncomfortable because you know how the old telephone game works where you whisper into somebody's ear and you go down a line of about 20 people and it's never the same when it comes out at number person number 20 as it was when it started. Well, that's how these stories get started. So if you've ever talked about a student to another class, make sure when you leave that classroom, you tell that other student. And of course, don't talk about them in a negative way. I don't talk about students ever in a negative way. You'll have a price to pay if you do that. But when you talk about them positive to another class, Make sure you tell them that you've talked positive about them and they want that you want themselves to feel good about that and share it in that way. Then when it comes back around that Mr. Collins has been talking about me in class, well, you know what how to handle that. And you can tell them, in this case I just told the girl, I said, nope, no. I haven't said anything other than what I've ta already told you. And she smiled and said, well, that's what I was hoping. I was just want to make sure. And I'm glad that those kids feel friendly enough with me or comfortable enough with me, I guess is the best word, that they will come up to me and just ask me a question like that. They know I'll give them an honest answer, and I appreciate that. And as always, you know, I, I told them, 
I was sincere in that I thought they were two really nice students, really nice people, but find ways to build your students up that way. Talk about them positively all the time. There is good in everybody. So rather than ripping them apart, rather than criticizing anybody, find the good part in them first, and then we'll all grow together. I'll tell you one last thing that happened to me in the classroom this week that kind of surprised me. Sorry, guys, going back to a volleyball story again. And I don't know, I'm going to make some of the guys mad here that play volleyball, but here's what I said this week. And, you know, the world has changed for the good. Some things that we realize have been very chauvinistic, comments that are just not proper anymore that might have been said all the time, maybe 40, 50 years ago. And those of us that are in our 60s now, we don't think as much about the sensitivity maybe as we should. I try to be as sensitive as possible. But let me tell you what happened. It kind of caught me by surprise. I made the comment one day that I thought that girl volleyball players are actually smarter players than the guys are. And I said, usually the guys, myself included, we're concentrating on just hitting the ball as hard as we can. Whereas girls use more finesse. They think things through. They think through the strategy better. Yes, they want to attack the ball hard at the end, but they think the strategy out a little bit better. And I really feel that way. I've done boys and girls leagues both. So I made that comment. I said, I think girls are smarter volleyball players than guys are. Guys might be stronger as a stereotype, but girls are the smarter players. Well, it's interesting. One of the girls in there, not a volleyball player, one of the girls in there actually said, I take offense to that. So there wasn't really anything I could do other than saying, you know, I shouldn't have said it. Let's just move on. So, And that's what I did. I closed it in that way. But then that day in my cafeteria duty, I walked up to some of the volleyball players. They all eat together. And I said, listen, let me tell you what I said in my classroom. And I told them, and I said, you know, people like me that grew up in the 60s, we don't think that's offensive, but you all tell me if it is. They told me that, no, we don't find that offensive. In fact, one of them said, I think that's flattering that you feel that way. So I'll say all that to say this. There are things that we used to say. I'll give you an example even from the 90s, but there's things that we used to say that we need to correct ourselves on. This is, I'll let you decide this, and I'm not going to give an opinion because I'm just going to describe a scene from Seinfeld. I love the old Seinfeld shows. I still watch the reruns, but there was an episode where Jerry had gotten an accidental phone call from a Chinese woman. He made the comment that he got her phone number. He's going to call her back, and Elaine was there in the room with him, and so he starts dialing. He says, I love Chinese women. And Elaine says, isn't that a little bit racist? And he made the comment, if I like their race, how could that be racist? And it got a good laugh, but 
that kind of comment is not quite as acceptable now as it was back then. So just be aware. You can say all you want to that I don't think somebody should take offense to this, but if they do, they do. So there's ways we can accomplish the same thing and not offend anybody. So that's what we need to work on, guys. So let's close it out by saying you're going to find yourself in uncomfortable situations that really don't need to be uncomfortable. So work on figuring out ways that you can cover for yourself, that use ways to hide the fact that you've forgotten their names, use ways to cover up the fact that you've forgotten how to do something in English or in math, or that you're just don't know it, don't remember it when it's something basic you should do. There are things you can do. I hope you learn from this episode, but that's the tricks of the trade when you want to cover the fact in front of the students that maybe you don't know something that you should have known.